Greetings, and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, Director of Music Ministries. And during these unprecedented days of physical distancing and leading online worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that share the challenges of producing online worship and finding ways to help those worshiping with us to stay engaged and feel connected even from a distance. In today's episode, the team is going to discuss where we are a year after we celebrated Easter in quarantine. Can it be a year already? What have we learned? What are we dealing with now? And what are are the plans for going forward? So today with us um, in our discussion, we have three wonderful practitioners in the field. Uh, Reverend Joe Stobaugh, he's a senior minister at University Park UMC in Dallas, Texas. Kim Wang, Minister of Music at First UMC in Heath, Texas, and Andrew Scanlon Holmes, Senior Pastor at Roberts Park UMC in Indianapolis, Indiana. So first of all, I'd love to ask you guys how you're doing. This has been a a difficult year, a challenging year. Um, There's been good things, of course, and bad things. Um, But just tell us, how are you doing? And so, Joe, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and start first. Sure. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you today. It's a real gift. I am. We had a lot of change in our lives in the last year. I was reappointed in the middle of the pandemic to a new church and a new role. And uh, to be honest, the fall was wonderful, but also very, very hard. And there's a, a lot of difficulties, which I'm, we're all experiencing. But today, I feel a lightness in my spirit and in my soul that I haven't had in months um, I think I finally sort of hit the point where I realized that uh, there's so many things that are beyond my control that in God's weakness, uh, excuse me, that in my weakness, God's power is is revealed and made strong. And uh, sort of when you come to the end of yourself, you find God there. And that's been very lightening in spirit and liberating and uh, seeing, seeing good signs of hope and energy. So I would say today is a good day. And so I'm just very thankful to be with you. Amen. Thank you for that hopeful word. And, and I hear the hope in your voice that that, that um, is bombed in my heart. Um, Kim, tell us about you. How are you doing? Uh, well, this morning, I feel much better for sure. And I feel a little bit of a relief at the fact that I did just finish our cantata recording project yesterday. Um, so yeah, overall, hopeful and uh, good. If you asked me this yesterday, I would have been devastated and in the pits. But today, I'm in a good place. Yeah, completing a project like that sure makes you feel a lot better. I know. Thank you, Kim. And um, Andrew, tell us about how you're doing. Well, we're doing fine, thank you. I mean, it's a bit like Joe. We've had uh, ups and downs in this. Uh, Negotiating liturgically where we are in a season has been challenging at times to work out. my church is downtown, right in the heart of Indianapolis. Through the pandemic, we, our daycare is kept open for essential workers and others. Um, we, our feeding program of uh, soups on on a Sunday has continued, though it's been sack lunches at the door rather than inviting people in. So there's been a normalcy in some of what we do in our in our uh, church life here that's 
kept things pretty much on an even keel. But when it comes to worship, that's been the challenge. Um, starting with absolutely zero in terms of technology, um, but now moving through into where we are with our worship at the moment, which is to um, get ready to go live stream for the first time. So it's been a, a long journey for all of you in, in different ways. Uh, almost a year ago, we, we had a panel discussion. I think most of you were on that panel, and that's part of why we brought you back to see what has changed over this past year. So, so Andrew, following on, on that, on your conversation there, what would you say were the biggest learning curves and, and where are you now in terms of priorities than a year ago? Um, certainly, uh, from a, a, a worship perspective, we've had to make some big changes. Um, I think like many churches, we began by immediately replicating that which we had done. So uh, finding the technology, um, whether that be iPhone or iPad or a camera system, we simply sought to change over from what we had done in person to what we were doing online and create as faithfully as we could the sort of worship that we had been doing. That brought about some really interesting things. Um, first of all, I began to get a lot more comments from people about how uh, their spouse, for example, who wouldn't normally have crossed the threshold of the building, was ready to sit there with a cup of coffee and watch what was going on on, on the computer or on the TV, if that's where they were watching the service. Um, to the point that some of those people then began to engage and get involved with what we were doing in uh, a meet the minister in the evening or uh, some social event or a Bible study. So that growth has come in a really interesting way. Uh, people from Texas, from Virginia, from uh, other parts of the country who were connected with this church um, found them their way back to us. Um, so again, we were able to see some developments taking place that really were encouraging us to think about what does it mean moving forward. And so in the fall last year, I sat down with my leadership team and we did a really intensive look at what it would be to create a hybrid ministry, a hybrid church ministry, um, and look at what was needed um, technically, what was needed, this church has, has um, well, it celebrates its 200th anniversary this year, but it's not been a big tech fan up until this year. Um, and because we were pushed into it, a lot of people have seen the possibilities that have come from that. So the church um, eventually agreed to invest what will be almost $100,000 over nine months in technology and supporting staff for that. Um, we are uh, received a new associate pastor, so a bit like Joe, there was a change in the middle of the pandemic of, of staff, um, and we are encouraging our associate pastor to become the online pastor, the online minister, um, and working to, to try and build in every conversation that we have the question, how is this um, helping us engage with our community locally and our, our online community. Yeah. And that, that's, been, that's been really exciting to, to sit and think about, to the point now that we're also trying to find somebody who will sit eventually on our governing board who may never be somebody who's part of our church physically, mm -hmm. but he's online. 
time with us regularly. Yeah, I, I suspect there are a lot of churches that are saying now we were not very tech friendly and now we have to be. I mean, that's that's kind of a universal shift in a lot of people's minds. But but I think the other key that you brought up, Andrew, is, is the access and, and people, new audiences, but also dispersed audiences are, are now coming back. So, so Joe, I know as a new pastor, you may not know who actually used to belong there <laughs> is now reconnecting, but but also in terms of that access, you know, what are you seeing uh, there in, in Texas? And, and also, Andrew, talk a little bit about format change. Have you also experienced a format change for your worship order and things like that? So, Yes, absolutely. Um, in the church that I was in prior, they were already live streaming in one of the venues. The other venue was pre-recording. And after I left, they shifted to live streaming. But the church I'm serving now, at, at least by um, Dallas standards, would be something of a historical church. And uh, they had no online presence whatsoever uh, from a worship standpoint, and this forced them into it. And um, we're seeing it much the same way that Andrew said, all kinds of wonderful um, benefits from this. Uh, folks from the same sort of thing across the country, Buffalo, all the way out to Idaho, um, uh, folks who are, who are checking in. So part of the challenge we're coming in is like, what is it in, in much the same way? So Andrew, I'm like, I'll send you an email, man. <laughs> we're trying to figure out what does digital discipleship look like? Um, how do we, how do we think in, in new ways? Cause um, it's been pretty clear to us that we're never going to go back to only in person ever again. So structurally for us, especially as we're looking to eventually move from pre-recording to live streaming, um, it's been kind of a game changer. I mean, I know even in my sermons, they are so much tighter and more homilies in, in some sense, really, than a, a full bore sermon. And uh, boy, that's given us so much more time to explore the other wonderful things we can do in worship. So it's, it's like word and table in a, are really sharing um, uh, equal place in a lot of respects now. So we're super excited for that. So yeah, that and, and trying to um, uh, distill things to their essence uh, for the online experience in a way that we're also seeing begin to transfer over to our live services as well. So we, we have um, in-person, but in a very limited way in addition to the online piece. So it's, it's been really interesting to, to see how those things sort of cross-pollinate that's amazing, Joe. Wow. I'm, I'm so impressed with how both you and Andrew have taken a challenge and really turned it into something positive and have moved the ball, have moved us forward as a church. You know, that's great. Well, I want to ask Kim that question because she's a church musician and I'm a church musician. And there's been a large learning curve for us um, for figuring out how to take something that is so um so in person and making it virtual um, and having choirs and of course not being able to sing together, all that kind of stuff. So Kim, tell us what you've learned this past year. Have your priorities changed and what in your job? Um, just tell us what, how it's been for you. Um, to tell you the truth, uh, a lot of the things that I've, I've done in our church was so I don't feel guilty anymore. So I'm a very uh, guilt, I'm a chronic guilter or guilt feeler and um, trying to earn my pay or trying to earn my keep at the church. Uh, I've done a lot of different things online. And recently somebody said, um, those things that you've done kept us engaged into the church life. And I was like, I did it for me, not for you. 
Well, tell tell us about some of those things that you've done. I know what those I know some of those things. <laughs> tell everybody. Uh, so we had a weekly uh, hymn sing for a while, and then we changed. We people were not engaging as much, so I figured you know people don't need it anymore. So we went into more in-house with uh, bell choir, limited people with choir itself, very spread out. It was very, very hard. But I was like, you know, I feel guilty if I don't do anything. So I'm going to offer and see who is willing to come and do things. And uh, we recently launched a social gathering online uh, and just calling on people to check on people. I mean, I'm sure these are stuff that other people have done, I felt guilty for not doing it. Uh, I don't, I feel comfortable not doing it, um, but I felt obligated to do it. It's just not in my personality to engage other people. Um, but doing it also made me realize I needed that as well. Um, yeah. So all these things that I've, I've done out of guilt was actually engaging, was actually um, productive in a personal level. Yeah. So, yeah, I learned that people engaging, even if it's just on a phone call, is still important. Uh, it's just something I'm realizing in my mid 40s figure. <laughs> yeah, um, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I think it's this pandemic has thrown us all into um, places where it's not our comfort zone mm-hmm. for one way, for one reason or another. Um, and and I've heard a lot of people say that they continue their choir rehearsals, but not so much to study music, but to check in with each other. And, um, and that that has provided a new, a a renewed sense of what it is to be community in this small group community that we, you know, get to shepherd as church musicians. So I'm, I applaud you. I think you've done some great work. I've seen your hymn him sings online and um, they're very, they're fun and they're engaging. And um, so uh, whether it's you did it because of guilt or anything else, thank you for doing it on behalf of the church. (laughs) It was fun. It was really for me, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, good. Well, let's move on then to our next question for all of you. What are you dealing with now that you didn't a year ago when the pandemic caused us to shut our doors and go virtual. In other words, you know, what new challenges have you found um, and, and how are you dealing with those? So I'm going to pitch it back to Joe. Oh gosh. Well, mine is is, uh, multi-pronged in in the sense of, um, I think something we're probably all dealing with is this being in this strange place of, seeing a light at the end of the tunnel that doesn't look like an oncoming train for once. Like maybe we're going to be, we've got some good things happening, but still realizing we've got to be diligent and safe and follow uh, father Wesley's do no harm while at the same time beginning to, to, to prepare to reopen in this way. I'd say we're dealing with something interesting that is uh, uh, unique maybe to our area, but because of the, the ice storm that we had in Dallas, the winter event, our church experienced a, uh, significant damage in the millions of dollars worth of damage. But this provides us an opportunity to take some of the things that we've learned and, and figure out how to apply these in new in new ways. So I think part of it is trying to pastorally still keep a um, um, love your neighbor ethos while also planning to open this thing while still keeping in touch with people and finding the right balance of that uh, 
I, I know some of our folks uh, have actually said, we're good. We appreciate the calls. <laughs> you know, so trying to find the balance of um, uh, energy, pastoral care, an ethic of doing no harm and preparing to reopen um, in a safe way. Um, putting all that together, is, there's quite a lot going on, I think, for all of us. And, and Kim, I, I was uh, in a caring way giggling, like, gosh, isn't it amazing, like the amount of guilt we've all sort of dealt with of not being able to have the things that we, we really want to be able to possess, to care and to love and to shepherd our people. Um, Self-care, I think, is, is even more critical now than it was at the beginning because it's going to be, it's going to be some, some bumpy roads. Um, so I think uh, uh, there's that part of it. And then you know, if I sort of think of um, like a solar system in some sense, um, our outer ring folks are the ones that I'm really worried about losing and that are, didn't have that deep connection. And now I'm uh, reading prognosticators and futurists predicting things as big as we're going to lose 20% potentially of, uh, attendees and, and folks who weren't deeply connected. Um, but I do think we're another thing we're trying to, to really figure out with is how do we uh, celebrate this concentrate of people who are really in this thing with us, who are deep disciples and realize that this is, this is actually something that's going to help us grow and move in new ways. Because I think that the pandemic is really in some sense, uh, push things that we were all going to have to deal with over the next 20 years, just right into our face. So we've got a real opportunity to deal with that. So I think for me, a, a big balance of the last, this time last year was like, how do we do this and do it well um, and connect with people. And now it's, we're moving into a, a new, a new world. So how do we plan uh, to do that well and faithfully um, with some energy and some excitement? And one of the things we're talking about is how do we, how do we kind of hit the ground running? I think there's going to be people that are going to be so excited to connect and uh, mm. to be in person. And there are folks that are like, look, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm with you online, but I'm not, I don't feel safe coming back for a lot of reasons. And then there's our folks like in Buffalo. <laughs> so I think there's an excitement in it, um, but it's a different set of challenges now than when we, we last talked. Yeah. And I mean, if I can piggyback on what you're saying about the self-care because we're all we're all tired a uh, year in to all of this. And yet we have to have that energy to push to the next thing and, and keep going. And and, you know, as you were saying at the very beginning about feeling hopeful and you're you know, I think as we're seeing more people vaccinated and um, that does bring about this hope. And, and perhaps that's that part of the self-care um, is that it just gives us um, that feeling of. We, we can do this and we, and not, I will take care of myself and I will be able to move forward. Um, yeah. I think that's a new challenge for us from a year ago. Um, Andrew, tell us about you. What do you, what new challenges are you dealing with now? Oh, I've had uh, several uh, new experiences in this year, in, in, in the pandemic year that have helped shape thinking a little bit. Um, I never, dreamed that I would ever take a funeral with the funeral director, a casket and myself and a camera. Um, and I have done seven of those in the year. Um, I know of other pastors who've done uh, the funeral service at a graveside three times back to back with 25 people allowed each, each occasion. Um, so just some of the things that we 
took really for granted in terms of our approach to pastoral ministry and other things have all been upended. And I hear what Joe was saying, and I agree. You know, I mean, one of the, one of the joys for me is seeing how uh, I've been able to get members of a congregation to start and lead groups of 10 or 12 people and phone in each week and check with them. Sounds a bit like a class system, but I wouldn't want to push that too much on people at this idea, you know. Wesley had it, had it, had it worked out early on, I think. Um, but that worked. You know, they, they connected, they stay connected, they made friendships that they didn't have before. So even things like that, I think, have been have been really good to see going on in the life of the church. Um, my whole working pattern has changed. I don't know if that's the same for Joe and, and for uh, Kim and others who are watching this, but I, I found myself completely changing the working pattern that I had before the pandemic started, just in terms of pre worship preparation. There's longer lead times needed in order to make sure that we have all the right resources that the choir director can get the, pick, the music picked out, that we can rehearse that and record that. Um, so everything has, has, has taken me back to um, my pre-full-time pastoral um, life, which was working in film and television. So I come to this for the completely... I smile each time inside going, oh, so that's why I did 15 years in broadcast television, to come into the church and do it all again. Um, but that's been, that's been part of the joy of it. It's been great to see how we can change the conversations internally within the staff about what we're planning to do, particularly in worship. But even then, as I say, you know, challenging my uh, associate pastor to also think, well, how does this engage people who are not connected with us, who physically won't ever be here, but will join us online for different things? So just that shift in thinking and the way that we're doing it. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, I spent time with my um, leadership team, and we did a really deep sort of theological reflection uh, on what that looked like. What does, what does it mean to move um, to be ecclesia, to be um, the body of Christ? What does that look like and feel like? Um, and that was part of the prep preparation planning that was done to bring us to the point we're at now, which is um, Easter Sunday will be the first time we'll have a congregation back in the building for 53 weeks. Um, it will only be that Sunday. And then after that Sunday, we're going back to live stream, hopefully. And then we'll do some worship outside, which we did last year, before we move into coming into a full-time situation, probably towards the end of the summer, early fall, where we can come back into the building. And at that point, we've got a whole series of, of big celebrations that we've got for our 200th anniversary plan. So we're looking to move people in that way. But I suspect my working pattern is going to change again as we move into this change from being purely online to becoming fully hybrid. Excellent. Yeah. And you, you kind of dived into uh, our, what are your plans moving forward that we're going to ask in just a minute, but before we go there, let me ask him what, what um, have you found different and what are you dealing with now? Your challenges today, as opposed to a year ago. Um, a year ago, in my position, I, I was just reacting to what people needed. I was reacting to 
the situations that we were in, everything was a reaction. But now I'm more anticipating. I'm more um, pre, I don't know. What's the, what's the opposite of reaction? I'm, <laughs> I'm proactive. What, what is it? Proactive. Oh, proactive. Yes. So instead of reacting, I'm being more proactive and the people are, um, I think, appreciative of that. And I, I feel more in control. I feel more confident on the things that I do, especially now that the learning curve is not as steep anymore either. So they're like, you know, Joe said, and Andrew has said, I found hope in, in where I am right now. And I find little kind of joys on the things that I do um, and finding happiness. Oh my goodness. So I'm finding a little bit of joy and happiness in the things that I am doing currently. So let me, let me piggyback on that, Kim, and, and talk about moving back toward full reopening or in-person worship or, or whatever, or the hybrid model that Andrew's been talking about. You know, what, what has been your role in that as a part of the larger staff? Have you felt heard and, and a part of the decision-making, or, or are you just kind of waiting for others to decide that for you? Um, I, I wish I could wait for other people to decide that for me a lot of times. <laughs> I asked my pastor, uh, so what do, what do you want on this? And, you know, what would you like on when we do these things and eventually when we get there? And he's like, whatever is up to, you know, whatever you want. He has left every a lot of the decisions on my plate, which I am very grateful for at the fact that he trusts me that much. And I'm super scared of because he trusts that much on me. Um, so it's, it's both ways, uh, scary and exciting at the same time. The moving forward, I, a lot of our choir members are like, you know, uh, when are we going to go back to the way we used to? And my comments are, well, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Let's think of a new way to do things. Mm -hmm. And what would that look like? And, always have to push and challenge our congregant members and as well as the music ministry members that um, now that we have the opportunity to do things a little bit different, let's think more creatively and see where that could take us and how God could engage uh, people, not just beyond our church, how um, that could reach other people. So trying to be more creative is... Um, is looking forward to full reopening and keeping some stuff in consistent, you know, mode where people are not going to be so discouraged by all the new changes. Mm. Uh, but it is a challenge trying to balance the two. A, a challenge and yet yet dynamic and exciting. I, th I think that's part of what Joe's been talking about, about that hope. But I, uh, before I hear from, from Joe and his plans, I, I want to turn to Andrew and ask about this hybrid thing you've mentioned can you describe that? Is that is that two different tracks, or is that a no. church that in, fully encompasses both? Yeah, the, uh, hybrid. A hybrid, I think, when it's when it's working at its best, blends both an online and an in-person community together, such that. Um, and I, I hear what Kim was saying about some of those challenges. We had a similar challenge with our choir, um, but. I mean, I think like many churches, perhaps we've had the opportunity to do um, during the pandemic, multi-voice uh, recordings mm -hmm. and putting those together, um, not 
quite to the same level as some of the national stuff we've seen. But, but you know, for the, our own community to get 15 or 16 voices singing together has been a great challenge. But in a hybrid model, that means your choir isn't limited to the physical people who meet in your building. Your choir is whoever wants to lay down a track and be part of that and can be brought into the life of the church through that way. Um, so there is both this question about what do we continue to do for our people in, in person and when they're gathering, and how do we ensure that those who join us only on an online community feel as included in the worship. So for example, um, we, we are planning to offer the opportunity for people to um, either text in or email in prayer requests. They will be picked up by the associate pastor during the service so that the point when we come later in our worship to share in our prayers for the people, it will not just be those that are named in our bulletin who are internally within us, but they will, it will name those who have shared with us online as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I hope, will show something of where we're building this blend of people that is together in there. One of the challenges that comes with that, and, and I know we, we might not be able to have that full discussion today, um, but it's certainly one of the challenges that comes with music is whether or not, um, for example, your online congregation joins you at the start of service or they come in later on in the, in the worship. And I say that because some of the research that's been done by Barner and others, um, both in this country and in the UK, which is where my research, because um, I'm still a research fellow of a, of a university in the UK, um, engaging with singing has not been as easy for people during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so it's one of those areas that you think, well, should that be something that the local congregation can enjoy and celebrate, but others move into later on? Um, so that they're hearing something like a performance piece rather than congregational singing. Mm -hmm. But it, it, those are conversations that we're having as we start to blend and build a relationship both those in the worship in so so you might actually envision during a worship service live pieces and recorded pieces kind of woven together you know you talk about your history in back in broadcasting so that might lead to something like that yes absolutely so that you know our liturgist may be in texas right um, they don't have to be present in the building. They can be anywhere that we can record them. Um, we can, the technology that we've employed within um, our building now allows me to use the broadcast level Skype to bring people in from anywhere in the world mm -hmm. and join our service and contribute to the service. Mm -hmm. uh, the challenge is what does that mean for those who are present in worship when they right. can't see that person? Um, we put them up on a screen in worship. Do we say, hey, if you've got our church app, you can see what's going on on, the, <laughs> yeah. on, on your smartphone or whatever. So I think there's a lot of, of things that we have. And, you know, it's one of those challenges that we faced, the church faced a long time ago, a couple of decades ago, when people would look to televangelism and say, oh, this is all just performance. There's no worship in this. Mm. Um and, and so that blend is not just in terms of what do we do to, to allow people to engage in the worship, but also how do we ensure 
that what we are doing is worship and not all just entertainment. Right. Right. Yeah, I think there's a new intentionality that this pandemic has really forced us into, which is a good thing, you know, to really intentionally spend more time thinking about worship, planning it, putting mm-hmm. all the components together. I was going to say that there's a church here in Nashville, um, Brentwood, where I've seen, I, I attend their worship services online mostly, and um, their music director has done a great job of taking a virtual choir video and melding it with uh, performers in the choir loft at the same time. So you're, and I think that's such a beautiful image of this hybrid community that um, is our future, I think, as you said. Yeah. So, so Joe, how do you deal with the question Kim brought up? When do we get back to normal? You know, how, how do you respond to that in, in your sure. setting? Yeah, we so for us, we have a, a COVID council made up of members of the, of the of the community. So we've got a physician on there, a mental health specialist, the church staff folks, the, the clergy, um, as well as a, as a lawyer. And we've been working on a um, four phase system uh, since since the beginning of this. And we are our questions that guide us in this work are. You know, our, our leading ethic, I should say, first is to do no harm. But then we've got a series of questions that we continue to ask ourselves and we meet uh, every other week uh, to really figure out how to do this well. Um, in addition to just trying to figure out how as, as accommodating as we can be, as, uh, as safely as we can be. So for us, we ask questions like, do we have from a worship standpoint, is, is there a compelling reason uh, for us to return to worship is are there going to be so many restrictions that what that what we're doing online is actually um, more accessible? Um, so there's that piece for us. Um, we ask ourselves, what do our state, local, and church authorities recommend right now? Uh, we're very lucky in Dallas. Our county judge who makes these decisions is a good Methodist, so it's got that ethic uh, in mind. And then um, how does our community feel about this? That's another question that, that we ask. And what changes do we need to, to initiate in order to successfully, safely, and faithfully move into our next phase? And then are we keeping an ethic of advising for our whole community um, in, 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 our, in our mind? So given the size of our congregation, and the, um, uh, we were able to, to, to offer one service a week uh, in a way which is very safe until we had our own our building uh, trauma, but we have also offered outdoor services with the old school FM transmitter for folks who need to stay in their cars and feel safe that way. Um, so that's, that's part of how we do it is, is we do it together um, and not mm-hmm. trying to just like dictate decisions from, <laughs> from on high, uh, which can be very frustrating for folks who are ready to move quickly and outside groups, for example, that want to use the, the building. And, you know, we take, funerals and weddings on a case-by-case basis and um it's it's certainly slowed down um the work but i think in a in a healthy way much like i was talking about um spending more time to reflect and we want to do this work very very intentionally so we're in a phase three of a four phase process so um, we're meeting again tonight and probably a couple hours like okay how do you do vbs safely (laughs) at what point can we uh can we go from the four pews of distance to three or all those sorts of questions. So it's something that we do deliberatively as a congregation together. 
Well, uh, we've got uh, a we, nine page document. If anybody wants, I can say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably actually short. <laughs> nine pages. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> it's a summation. Well, as, as we, as we're coming to the end of our time together, I want to give everyone one more shot to, to say, what's the one thing you would like to say to other people to give them advice or suggestions or, or a priority for them to consider as they move to the next phase, whatever the next phase might be uh, in, in their working. What, what one thing is, is kind of center in your mind and heart as you go? Kim, Kim, what are you thinking? Um, I think I said something like this last time too, and it really hasn't changed, is um, instead of thinking uh, or, yeah, instead of thinking all the stuff that's are, that are limited, but thinking more of what's available and what's accessible right now and think more creatively on where to, how to engage. Um, the limit is really my own creativity still. And I want to encourage people to go beyond that limit of creativity and think really big. I mean, really big technology. Technology allows us to do that and um, think super big and see where God could take us from there. Excellent. I, I like that. The limit is my creativity. Andrew, what, what one piece of advice would you give? I think it, it, it follows on from Kim in the sense that we are, we've been in a sense a bit parochial in the past. This pandemic has changed that for a, in, in so many different ways, I think, um, to the point that, you know, to quote the man himself, the world is te technically now our parish. Um, and, you know, I, I think I would want to push people to engage with, the opportunity to build on what you have. And if you, if you feel that, you know, you're starting from scratch, then it's still possible. We've proved it. You can move from zero to being very effective. My mantra in all of this has always been to try to be uh, the best that we can afford to do. And uh, that means challenging sometimes the financial committee and others to, go and dig deeper in a few more pockets because excellence in what we provide will of itself be serving the kingdom. And yeah. um, I'm not as hung up now on, on things like membership and what does it mean to be a member and, and all of those things. Let us simply proclaim the gospel and let those who hear it respond. That's, that's profound. Joe, what about you? Just don't be a slave to the models of the past. And much like what we've been saying, this is actually, uh, we've, we've, uh, we've burned the ships. We're in a whole new world and allow yourself the opportunity to experience the, the, the things that are before us that are new and good and vibrant. And I would say if, if it's visual, I was, just, I've been smiling this whole time listening to my colleagues because this is a great time for us to also embrace the connective parts that we have as, as the Methodist church, mm. because I'm leaving this conversation inspired with new ideas to take, to take to the church that I serve and more importantly, the mission field that we serve together. And so I think as, as much as we have lost and as much grief as we have accumulated, that's not going to be wasted. And so we've got a, just a tremendous opportunity before us to do new and marvelous things that honestly a year ago we may not have had the freedom to do mm -hmm. and so be not afraid 
I think one way to sum all that up is say change is not always bad. <laughs> and, and maybe we could embrace this new opportunity. I, I appreciate the time that you have given to us, Andrew and Joe and Kim. Thank you for sharing with us. And we appreciate those who've been listening. Thank you for joining us today. We hope it's been helpful to you. And, and always remember that you can find more information at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. And we would love for you to tell us what you think. So send us an email. There's a contact us button on that website. So until next time, we'll be praying for and with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.